Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Jump spoil. Let my people go. church say amen. Men of PGC, God is proud of what you're doing as you serve in worship. May God continue to bless you, the dreams and desires of your heart. But above all, may God's favor shine upon you. I'm so thankful to God for the privilege of being able to walk and talk and the privilege of getting out of bed all by myself. I thank God for the privilege of being able to breathe on my own. And I thank God that I have not been a victim of COVID. I thank God for a church that continues to worship Almighty God in spite of our circumstances. God is still God. I thank God for another week with my mother who is here from Alabama. And I praise God for every day of her life. My mother's maiden name is America. So all week I've been calling her Miss America. And I think she kind of likes that because she smiles every time I say it. I thank God that my mother is still alive. And I thank God for all she poured into me 
And I thank God that going to True Light Missionary Baptist Church was a house rule, and it was not negotiable. I thank God for my church family, your prayers, and the ministry that we do in the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, we have entered worship to lift your name up high, O oh God, and to praise you and to serve you and to share with your people the good news of Jesus Christ. So, Father, right now I pray for your people, my people, our people, that we will be focused, faithful, fearless, O oh God, and that we will spend some time with you so that you will show us what it is you want us to do. I ask for preaching power, O oh God. I ask, O oh God, that you cleanse all of us of our sins and that you use us so that we might give your name glory. We bind the enemy and anything or anybody that will come against us in the name of Jesus. And we declare preaching and teaching in your name. And all of the people of God said, Amen. Say it again, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That was not good enough, really. So I'm just going to say, uh, let us say amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't get quiet on the Lord. You're not quiet on the Lakers. So you need to fire yourself up. Hey, Lord. Hallelujah. When the Warriors are playing, I'm crying out, Lord, help them. Jesus, help us, Lord. Our scripture, our main text today, comes from the book of John in chapter 6. My prayer is, Pastor Joseph, that as we move through John, that we're not rushing. Because the book of John is rather confrontational. And when I read this text over and over again, Minister Brett, this week, I realized that I need to ask everyone to find yourself in this scripture, passage, and I want you to tell me who you are. And I want you to assess your relationship with God and how you're living up to God's standards. I thank God for the acknowledgement of Black History Month. And someone asked me, how did I feel about that? And I said, well, I have mixed emotions. I have learned a lot about African Americans, people of color, and their accomplishments that I knew nothing about. But at 70 years old, I am ready to be accepted for who I am. And I believe that one day we're going to live in a country when all of us are valued not by the color of our skin, by the content of our character, as Martin Luther King used to say. So I praise God for every blessing, and I praise God that everyone will be encouraged. It's not about the color of our skin. It's about the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. So I pray that everyone will be encouraged. Man, I was, I was full of joy with your songs. I haven't heard there's a storm out on the ocean for a long time. And I like that song because it's good theology. What does it say? There's a storm out on the ocean and it's coming this way. If your soul is not anchored in Jesus, surely you will slip away. I... I don't know if we've done the right thing to give up spirituals and singing songs that help us to understand our theology and our relationship of lack of relationship with God. There is a storm out on the ocean, and it's coming this way. 
if your soul is not anchored in Jesus, surely, surely you will slip away. And when I look at the church, I see a lot of us slipping away. We're slipping away because we've been seduced by the darkness of the world. We're slipping away because church is no longer a priority. I was glad to see the PBS specials on the black church. I was glad to be reminded of what the church really means. But after watching that, Sammy, I realized that we don't value the church now the way we valued the church when we were in slavery and had nothing. I realized that if slaves can go in the wilderness after working all night to have worship service with God, the least we could do is come and worship God for an hour and 10 minutes. And so what I'm saying is that it's time for us to realize that there is a storm. And if your soul is not anchored in Jesus, hold on to God's unchanging hand. Don't hold on to my hand. Don't hold on to the ministers and the deacons. Don't hold on to the bishops. Don't hold on to the musicians. You got to hold on to God's unchanging hand. He never changes. He changes not. And that's why someday we just need to stop and celebrate and listen to the lyrics of the song and to understand what the people were saying. Because God is a God who's worthy to be worshipped. When I read this text, it was disturbing to my soul. Jesus has already selected his disciples. And when they had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. The title of my sermon is, Who is Getting Your Leftovers? Who is getting your leftovers? When I think of leftovers, I think of food. I grew up in the South in a family of 14, and we never had leftovers, Minister Derek. So I didn't grow up with leftovers. So I really don't care a lot about leftovers because I never had that experience. In our house, the pot went around one time, and you got what you could at that time because it was not coming back. And by the time it comes back, it is totally empty in the name of Jesus. When most of us hear the word leftover, we usually think of food, and as I move through life, I have learned that leftover refers to several dimensions of life. There are leftovers in emotional relationships. There are leftovers in physical bodies. There are leftovers in our financial matters. There are leftovers in marriage relationships. There are leftovers in parental relationships. There are leftovers in family relationships. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that after you do all the things you want to do, then you come and bring what's left over, and you hand it over and expect everybody to be excited. There are leftovers in our professional lives. Some of us are so professional and so dedicated to what we do, we have nothing left to the people who support us and love us. There are leftovers in spiritual lives. I'm only going to sing twice a month. I'm only going to do this once a month. Those are leftovers because according to the word of God, we should give God our first priority, meaning my worship and priorities start with God. I wish everybody had the experience of being the pastor of a church dependent upon volunteers who may show up or may not show up 
who give their best to the world but leftovers to God in a limited time frame. And yet we want God to lift us up and bless us with all the things we want when God is not our number one priority. Many of you will not like this sermon because it's confrontational. And if you don't like it, it's okay with me. It's what the Word said. You can go write your own sermon. But when you look at chapter 6, it causes you to look at yourself, and it causes you to ask, am I giving God my best, or am I giving God my leftovers? There are leftovers in our personal lives. And unfortunately, there are leftovers in our relationship with Almighty God. Leftovers. In John chapter 6, we see the traditional Eucharistic elements which are featured in the synodic pattern of telling a story. Jesus did these things. He took the loaves, he blessed the loaves, he broke the loaves, and he gave the loaves. Now, mind you that Jesus has called his disciples. So Jesus is not with strangers, uh, Brother Henry. Jesus is with people who have answered the call of discipleship, and there they are in the inner circle of Jesus. And it's amazing what happened. The Word of God says that there were seven miracles in the book of John. Turning the water to wine, healing of the official son, healing an invalid at the pool of Bethesda, feeding the 5,000 near the Sea of Galilee, walking on the water of the sea, healing a blind man in Jerusalem, raising dead Lazarus in Bethany. But if there ever was a test of your faith, it's reading this passage of Scripture and asking yourself, how would I respond? Respond. This is not just a literal miracle witnessed by thousands of people. It's also a parable with many lessons about the all-sufficiency of Jesus to meet the vast needs of the world. There is no deficiency in God, but there is great deficiency in us. And although they were completely inadequate to meet the needs of the hungry crowd, they gave the little that they had to the Lord who blessed it and multiplied it so that they could distribute it to the people. It's also a miracle that points to salvation. John wrote the sign so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In other words, Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be focused on what you're going to eat for lunch and dinner and what you're going to have for breakfast. I want the focus to be eternal life that's grounded in me, and I am your anchor. So John begins the story. He says, after these things, after Jesus had raised people up, after Jesus had healed, after Jesus had turned water to wine, Jesus said, I need a break, Alex. So Jesus said, I'm going to go on the other side. You ever wanted to go on the other side? Jesus said, I'm going to go get some refreshment for myself. And John begins the story. He says, the other gospels that Jesus has sent out 12 on a mission tour I look at the community. We do that all the time. But I've discovered it depend, what the report that you get depends on the people you send out to see what's going on. If they're lazy and no relationship with God, they see nothing. If they love the Lord and want to do a little work, Brother Randolph, they come back to say, Pastor, there's lots of opportunities over here for us to be the Christ in this neighborhood. They came back and reported their experiences to him. And meanwhile, they got the word that Herod had beheaded John the Baptist. John teaches us that courage and faith will get you in trouble. And that someday you might be killed because everybody does not want the word of God to go forward. 
So they took a boat across the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, so thankful that I have been able to see with my own eyes the Sea of Galilee, to a spot in the country north of Bethesda, home of Philip, Andrew, and Peter. And the problem was is that the crowd saw them go, ran across the lake on foot, and greeted them as they disembarked. Can you imagine that you have left to go to the other side to get some rest, and by the time you get there, the people you left behind are already there. Say hallelujah in the name of Jesus. But the crowd did not follow him just because they followed him. The crowd followed him because they realized the miracles that he had performed. And they realized that they had some things that needed to be fixed, and they needed to be in the presence of Jesus. What would happen if all of us would acknowledge what it is that needs to be fixed about us and decide that we are brave enough to lay it at the altar and say, Lord, will you fix me? Others needed miraculous healing for themselves or their loved ones. And then Jesus went up on the mountain. There he sat down with his disciples. I thought it was interesting that the feast of the Jews was near. But coupled with the mention of the Passover, he may want us to know the parallel story here, Pastor Joseph, with Moses and Jesus. You remember, Moses went up to the mountaintop. Remember, Moses came down to found that the people had quickly forgotten God. So here is Jesus, and he's taking a break, and he sees the people coming. He went up to the mountain to receive, and then Jesus got there and realized that the people were on their way. And although Jesus could have called for manna to float down from heaven, he didn't do that because Jesus used this miracle and those that followed to train the twelve. And John shows us Jesus asking Philip, are you Philip in this text? Philip is in the inner circle. So Jesus looked at Philip, and he said he was testing him because he already knew what Philip was going to say. We can't afford this. Look at all these people. The church is full of Philips. They'll tell you everything you cannot do, but they will not tell you what they can do. And so the lesson Jesus teaches us here, he was showing Philip and the other disciples their inadequacy to meet the need along with his all-sufficiency. So this miracle teaches us that Christ uses inadequate, insufficient people who surrender what they have to him to meet the overwhelming needs of his people. Philip wanted to instantly say, no, we can't afford this. It costs too much. No, this takes too much money. They are typical of so many in this world who are living for material things that will shortly perish, but they don't see their need for the food that God endures to eternal life. Outreach is a bigger than food. And that's one of the things I want the church to understand. If you give me sardines to eat, a canned tuna, whatever you have, and you do nothing to enrich my soul or lift my spirits or introduce me to my Lord and Savior, then you haven't done a good job. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit will convict us so that we will see who we are truly in the path of Jesus. Secondly, the Lord's people are inadequate in themselves. We cannot do anything in our own strength, Malik. If you ever function in your own strength, expect to fail. We do everything by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that troubles me is that I I don't think that we understand you cannot give what you do not have. How can you be a spiritual leader with no Bible study, no meditation? No prayer. You don't know what the word says. And then you 
eisogete versus exegete, meaning you make things up based on what you think without realizing that it takes time to study God's word and to exegete what God is really saying. One of the things that the pandemic has taught me is that we need more time with God. We need less activity. We need structured prayer. We need to be intentional in our prayer lives. We need to be intentional in our assignments. And we need to realize that God needs us to have a fresh word. But you can't take anybody where you have not been yourself. You can't lift up anybody if you have never been lifted up. You cannot witness if you don't have a testimony to tell. It would have been great if Philip had responded, Lord, I've seen you turn water into wine. I watched you hear the royal official's son. I saw you hear the man who could not walk. Lord, I believe that we will have enough money to feed these people. That's not what Philip said. The problem was that they didn't have the 200 denier. How many of us are stuck on what we do not have? If you have a dollar, give the dollar and let the Lord multiply If you have a nickel, give the nickel and let the Lord multiply. If you have a dime, just give the dime and lift. And that's what Jesus did. He lifted up Alex, what he had. He gave thanks and he blessed it. And God caused the multiplication. And so many of us are not thankful for what we have. We're waiting for the big cruise ship to come in. And what we got to understand, if you cannot be thankful for little things and trust it, God has no use for you. Then along comes Andrew. Can you imagine having a disciple? And Andrew said, well, there's a boy over there. Maybe Malik, I don't know, but he got five loaves and two fish. And barley loaves were the loaves for the poor people. That was not an Italian bread. That was not from a special bakery. It was barley loaves. It's like going to the African-American community and what is our barley? Ham hocks, pig feet, pig tails, pig eyes. There was no part of the pig that black folk didn't eat. And so the barley loaves were not really that sophisticated. I'm not sure why Andrew even bothered to bring the boy and his little lunch to Jesus, but maybe the boy had offered that to him. I don't know. But what we see here, that so many people are not willing to bring whatever they have. They were small, flat barley cakes, but Andrew's comment accentuates the obvious inadequacy. What are these for so many people? Philip said, we don't have any money. Andrew's saying, yeah, I see the five loaves and the two little fish, but don't you see that there are 2,000 people over there? And you really believe that we're going to feed all these people with this? Anybody could be an Andrew. But the Lord said, get away. Give it to me. And then Jesus said, Father, I thank you for what you have provided. Father, I thank you for these people who are hungry and starving, and I thank you for your provision. So in lieu of my rest right now, dear God, I am going to bless this food, multiply it, and share with your people, knowing that they shall be fed. How many of us take the time to stop? How many of us take the time to look at our leftovers? I challenged myself while preparing this sermon. I went through my freezer and my refrigerator, as my grandmama would say, my frigidaire. And I said, Lord, how many people can I feed for my leftovers? I've been feeding people all week for my leftovers. 
And they're not bad leftovers because I can cook. These are leftovers from my freezer. These are leftovers that are good enough for me to give to Deacon Jay. And you know how Deacon Jay is about food. But my point is, is that instead of tossing our leftovers in the garbage can for waste management to pick up, how many of us, Pastor Joseph, take the time to ask, who could use what I don't need? Who could use what I'm throwing out? Because there was a time when I lived on leftovers, leftover shoes, leftover clothes, leftover whatever. But the text is getting us to see that with Jesus, everything is sufficient. With Jesus, and even you feeling insufficient, I'm sad when I hear people say, I would do this, but I would serve, my legs hurt. I would usher, but I don't know how to wave my hand. I would sing, but I can't carry a tune. I would be a deacon, but I don't have time to be a spiritual leader. I would be a trustee, but I can't afford to go over there every day. What would happen if we would say, Lord, here I am. Use me to your glory. And so Christ meets the needs of people through his inadequate people who yield their inadequate resources. One of the best gifts that God gave me was my pastor. Because he reminded me every time we talked of what I could do through Christ Jesus. I said to him the day he said that I was not a missionary because my dream was to travel around the world, cook, and feed God's people. That's all I wanted. And the day he said to me that, Classero, God has called you to be a pastor. I said, oh, no. Mm -mm. I don't even know a happy pastor. Oh, no. I don't know. Uh -uh. And I had never seen a female pastor. And I said, God, I don't believe that you will call me into that assignment when I'm not male. I don't sing. I don't hoop. I have a light voice. People still call my house and ask for my mother or if your parents are home. But what I have discovered through God is that if you show up for the assignment, the Lord will give you whatever you need. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hand clap? Can I get a wave your hand? Can you, can you just give God some praise because God, you showed up and God showed out. Stop making decisions based on what you can do. And that's what John is saying, is that we're making decisions based on the flesh. The flesh will never go where you want it to go. We have to make decisions based on faith and what God is going to do. So there are two significant lessons here. First, if you've ever trusted, tasted God or Christ as a living bread to give him your eternal life, the time is now. The world is dark, and it's getting darker day by day day. The time is now that we must share the good news that Jesus is the bread of life. And second, if you are anchored in Christ, you must offer yourself to him to meet the needs of his people. Stop saying, Lord, I am your servant and here's my availability. Maybe the best thing to say is, Lord, I'm thankful that you will use me to do anything. Just tell me where to go and what time to report to duty. Who is getting your leftovers? Think about that. Who's getting your leftovers? I was taught in the corporate world that we could multitask and do six or eight things at the same time. That's a lie. You cannot give full attention to eight things at the same time. 
You ever been on the phone with someone and they're typing or they're cooking or they're washing dishes and you say, are you still there? Oh, yes, girl, I heard everything you said. No, you didn't. We need to get to the point and be truthful to ourselves is that if we can give God undivided attention for five minutes, that's a miracle in itself. But we can't be in everything. We can't be everywhere. We can't be all things to all people. We have to be intentional in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you sharing what you have? Or is everything still in the attic? Are you sharing what you have, but you're going to wait and clean everything out before you die? Are you sharing your leftovers? Are you thanking God for what you have been given? Why would God keep blessing you when you do nothing for God? Why would God keep blessing you if you are not really, really serious about a relationship with Almighty God? So my final question, church, is what are you hungry for? All of us are hungry for something, but what are you hungry for? Freedom from anxiety, blessings from my Heavenly Father, comfort during the storms of life, deliverance from demons that will not leave you alone, energy to do the Lord's work. Only you know the answer. Freedom from darkness of the world, God's amazing grace. You ever been hungry for God's amazing grace? Hungry for happiness from within. You don't have to be phony. You can just show the world that it's God who is inside doing the great work. How many of you are hungry for healing in your body? How many of you are hungry for Holy Ghost power? How many of you are hungry for intimacy with God? How many of you are hungry for joy in the morning? And you can get up and say, thank God I made it another day. Thank God I made it through the night. How many of you are hungry for justice? How many of you are hungry for justice in the name of Jesus? How many of you are hungry for a kind word? Everybody will tell you when you look bad. But sometimes somebody needs to walk up to tell you, you look pretty good today. God is doing a great work. How many of you are hungry for love with no hidden agenda? How many of you are hungry for no more pain? Hungry for some good news? Hungry for opportunities to grow? Hungry for personal affirmation? The world will never affirm us. Our affirmation comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. The world will never show you who you are and support you. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you are hungry for the shackles to be removed? How many of you are hungry for freedom, true friends you can trust, stability in your life, use of your divine talents, a vision of the future? How many of you are hungry for authentic worship, meaning the flesh does not lead, but Almighty God? Some of us are not hungry for authentic worship because we want to time everything. And everything will not be timed by your Apple Watch. Everything will not be timed by what you have laid on the table. Time is in God's hands. And it's God who decides. I want to share with you a story that I heard recently. And the story is about a woman who loved Jesus. And this woman was a true, 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 true believer. She didn't have a lot of money. She was not like Philip. 
She was not like Andrew saying the boy showed up, maybe we can do something with this. But this woman was a woman who truly believed in God. She trusted God with everything that she had. She trusted God all day long. She prayed all the time. And this woman had three little girls who dropped by her house for a visit. She didn't know they were coming. She didn't invite them, but the girls dropped by. And so the story says that she said to them, I would love to fix you some breakfast. But Pastor Joseph, after she offered them breakfast, she realized that she had lots of grits, but she only had one egg. And so what happened to the woman is that she prayed about this one egg that she had. She didn't have money to go to the store. You see, the one egg was for her, Sammy. But when the three little girls showed up, they messed everything up because now there are four of us and there's one egg. And I understand is that the woman responded in faith. And you know what she did? The word, this story says that the woman responded in faith. She cooked a pot of grits. The grits were hot. She had a little butter on the grits. And she decided that she was going to crack the egg and put it in the grits and everybody would be able to share the egg. And when I heard this story, I realized that you can only do things like this. The woman did with the egg what Jesus did with the bread. The woman did with the egg what we ought to do with what God has given us. It's time for us to praise God for what we have. It's time for us to praise God for what he's already given us. And when you give thanks to God... Another thing you need to remember is that Jesus always looked up. Stop looking down. Practice looking up. James, Barbie, look up. Alex, look up. Derek, look up. Gino, look up. Randolph, look up. I ain't scared of you. Look up, Sammy. Look up, Henry. Look up, Pastor Joseph. Look up. Baby. See, when you look up, you see the vision of God. And when you look down all the time, you see nothing at all. And I'm glad to give the testimony that that woman was my grandmother, and the three girls who showed up were Classy, Carolyn, and Brenda. But what it taught me is that you don't need a dozen of eggs. You just need God. Men, will you come to tell you what to do with the egg you have? You don't need a bigger house. You can't clean the one you have. What you need is a house that will glorify God. You don't need a bigger car. You don't ever pick anybody up. You don't do any work for the Lord. You don't, don't. So why do you need a bigger car? Why do you need more clothes? The closets are overflowing. Why do you need more money when you haven't made good investments with the God already given you? Well, we need to learn from this passage of Scripture today, and that's what Jesus was saying. Give me the leftovers. Give me the leftovers and let me show you what I can do with leftovers. Because if truth be told, we are all left over from something. And sometimes we come in here, we can't even praise God because we're still acting like leftovers. But what's left over to the world is a mighty blessing in the name of Jesus. What's left over to the world is a mighty miracle in the name of Jesus. What's left over in the world glorifies the name of the Lord. I don't care what you call me, I can be a leftover as long as I'm used by Almighty God. Because when God takes a leftover, looks up, gives thanks, and blesses it, there is sufficiency in the name of God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank, Thank you, Jesus. God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor, for that encouraging word. Yes, yes. But there's still hope if we just look up. If we just look up and see Jesus and not where we are, but where we can be. And as with our Lord and Savior. If you're hearing this message today, if you're hearing this message and you've been touched by this word, there's three things you can do right now to make things new. Go ahead and admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you're a sinner and that you are not perfect. If you believe that Jesus died and rose on the third day, and then with your heart you confess that Jesus is Lord, with that you can be saved. Mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, children, anyone can confess their sins and make a brand new change on today. You may not have another time to do so. But this is the right time to just say, Lord, I give myself to you. I want to start new, start fresh. I believe in you. I believe in your word. And Lord, I do want to make a change. If you said that on today, if you said that and you believe in your heart so that God will bring you through, Go ahead and go to our website, www.pgc-carry.org. Go to our prayer request page. And then the title says Salvation. Say that you are starting new as a new Christian in Christ. You want to start a new journey to learn more about how God can make new in your life. And someone will be in contact with you to show you how to start that journey and your next steps to salvation. Hallelujah. We praise God that you're able to make that decision on today and that your heart will be filled and your soul will be saved. Amen. Amen. Come on, man. Come on, let's continue to sing that. Savior. Church. 
Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.